This is Energy of Business Moments with Michael Seip, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their business success into your life and business. Energy of Business Moments is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Michael Seip. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Strategic Advisor Board Energy of Business Moments podcast. I am Michael Seip, your host for today. And today I've got Neil Keegan of Marlin Spike, and he is the CEO of a company that does investment in disruptive technology and specifically in the government space. So, Neil, as a Naval Academy graduate, fellow Naval Academy graduate, welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. Great. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. Great to be here. Yeah. Well, wonderful to have you on today. And as a lot of people know, there are some really disruptive technologies out there that struggle to get to the market and actually get out there. And the innovation success rate is abysmal, sometimes around 90 to 95% failure rate. So I'd love to hear an investment firm's take on how to bring disruptive technologies to bear and tell me a little bit more about your company and, and how you got started. Sure. Thanks. Uh, maybe I'll start with the origin story and then I'll, I'll come back to the first part of the question. Uh, so great to be here, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, my quick background, I, I grew up in the D.C. area, uh, always wanted to go to the Naval Academy from the time I was in the third grade and, you know, ultimately, you know, uh, accomplished that mission, went to the Naval Academy and uh, and absolutely hated it. It was very it was brutal. It was tough, but uh, but I made it through and uh, was glad that I did. I did six years active duty as a, a surface warfare officer. Uh, decided that I wanted to get out and study economics and finance. So I did that. And then, you know, fortunately found my way to Goldman Sachs in New York, worked there for a number of years, and then wanted to move to the West Coast where I had uh, done a tour of duty uh, in Southern California. And I, and I figured I liked uh, sunny skies in 72 uh, versus, you know, rainy, snowy, you know, terrible <laughs> New York winters. So I made the move uh, also with Goldman, um, got up and running pretty quickly on the investment management side of the business and uh, also was fortunate to work with a client that had sold their business and then had the opportunity to establish and run their family office for 11 years, which was you know really interesting, uh, learned a ton, terrific family. And, and also, you know, did this during the financial crisis and then up and out through that. So we uh, learned a ton about investing in both the public markets and the private markets. Uh, but the whole time I knew that ultimately I wanted to run my own firm and then manage my own investments uh, and, and build a really strong, high caliber team to to invest in things that, that I was personally passionate about. So uh, after that, I really did a round trip back to the D.C. area, moved back to D.C., you know, with my family. Uh, and then COVID hit, uh, which was, you know, unexpected, obviously, but it also created an unbelievable opportunity to, you know, test my theory about, you know, putting money to work, raising capital and building a team. And, and that's what that's what I did. So in the middle of COVID, uh, with a couple of partners, you know, went out and found uh, an interesting block of stock in a, in a very disruptive, interesting company called Palantir. Uh, we put together uh, what's called a special purpose vehicle, an investment vehicle um, in, in private shares of that company right before they did what's called a, a direct public offering, which is essentially an IPO. And we had some really good success. And our clients got a good return. We got a good return. But the most important thing is that it really hit on something in terms of a strategy that was 
very near and dear to my heart, which which really comes back to being mission driven. And I know, Michael, you're focused on energy and what drives uh, what drives people, what drives leaders, what drives team teams. And, and I think it's really that that passion for the mission. And what what Palantir does is an example of of what we do at Marlin Spike. We're looking for really interesting, innovative companies, particularly that are solving challenges for national security, and they're solving them with disruptive technology. And ultimately, from an investment standpoint, um, there's a lot of unique characteristics where you can de-risk an investment when you've got companies that have government contracts, government revenues, non-dilutive capital, but they also can provide you know, massive commercial applications, which from an investment perspective can really yield to, to a great investment return. So that was really the premise for Marlin Spike. Um, and subsequent to Palantir, we did nine other transactions uh, all on a, on a one-off basis, either in a direct capacity or special purpose vehicle. We deployed about $100 million you know, throughout the 18 months of of the you know really the the prime of the COVID period, and then we we got ourselves in position to go out and raise a dedicated fund to pursue the strategy, which is what we're doing right now. Wow, that's that's really uh, quite fascinating because what most people don't know about the government contracting side, but typically margins are pretty tight. Uh, for government contracting. And so to find and get a disruptive technology out in the forefront and launched and successful actually is quite challenging, right? A lot of people are trying to break into that space. So um, with that kind of background and thought about energy, and we were talking earlier, you know, energy is the thought we might have, the emotion we might feel with that thought, and then the action we might take. And so there's a whole gamut of different types of energy people bring to their business or to their leadership style or to teamwork, as you said. And so um, from that perspective, sometimes getting into that government contracting space uh, or launching a company can be very challenging. So share with us a little bit about maybe from your perspective with Marlin Spike, where you felt like, man, that that did not go well or felt pretty bad about something. Well, that's, that's a, that's true. So a lot of the companies we work with, we, we tend to like them when they, when they do have some element uh, of government or department of defense or intelligence community validation. So they're, they're generating revenues, which essentially means like their, their product or service is working and it's, it's solving the needs. So we like to look at that way as, as a way of de-risking our, our investment dollars, both for ourselves as fiduciaries, you know, for our clients and our own capital, because we're we're very focused on putting our capital to work, and 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 this is really it. This is kind of the you know the last stop here in terms of you know the the highlight I think of my my career as far as everything that I've done up to this point has really led me to the creation of of this firm with my partners and and for us to really bring this to life. So you know on on the energy front, thinking about you know difficult time, so putting money to work work during COVID was certainly stressful and raising capital. So we're, we're constantly dealing with looking for the right investment opportunities. So there's a whole pipeline of opportunities we're looking at and trying to make sure we find, you know, find these, these gems that we think have the right mix of team and leadership and, and uh, innovation, but also evaluation so we can get a great return in a reasonable amount of time. And then on the other side, it's, um, you know, finding the right investors. And you've got to talk to a lot of people to really find the folks that um, that are attracted to what we're doing. Cause it's not, it's not for everything, for everyone. Some people like to just invest in the liquid markets and be in stocks and bonds. 
So you're you're constantly winnowing down into people that want to invest in illiquid assets, that want to invest in venture or growth assets, that want to take risk, that want to be invested in a company that has, you know, hopefully positive national security implications. So the the business is really that, you know, dealing with clients slash investors, finding the right companies, and then working with those companies and helping them, and then making that all work from an operational perspective. It's like three legs of the stool. And in running a fund, I mean, it is a real business. It's a it's an asset management business that that takes a lot of time and and effort to really get it right. And I I can't say that we've gotten it right yet, but we're in the we're heading in the right direction. And you know, a point that was you know nerve wracking was you know launching the fund. So we launched in January of this year after a huge 2021 in terms of public markets and private market exits. You know, we had had a lot of success raising capital and putting capital to work. And we, we had kind of a go or no go of, look, we, we spent a lot of money on legal. We put the team, we hired people, we were all chips in. And then starting in January, the market started to get rocky. And we said, look, we've got to raise at least 10 million bucks or we just should go flip burgers at McDonald's. Like then it's, it's not meant to be, but the good news is, you know, we, we basically doubled our target. But then as we got through, you know, going through the rest of the year, and look, this has been the the rockiest start to the equity markets in over 50 years. So trying to raise money in that environment and being effectively a first-time fund, I mean, these are these are big, big hurdles. So we're 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 chugging along. And I think, you know, persistence and consistency, those are the things that that I lean on in addition to my my great you know teammates and the team that we've built is what kind of keeps us going and uh, and pushing that boulder up the hill every day because you got to do it every day because the, the the big wins they don't they don't happen every day but if you don't do the right things every day they won't happen at all mm-hmm. yeah thank you for sharing that and you're you're absolutely right you're you're almost undertelling how difficult that time was because uh, basically the markets in the growth space turned in December of this past year, and you were launching it there in January. I mean, your timing was not very good in terms of, you know, it's only recently there were growth stocks have started to turn around and private equity starting to come back and talk about IPOs and things like that. So, so your comment on persistence, and then I think a little bit too is interesting, is how you you know, look back to your past, you look to your team and saw that, hey, there's a lot of strength in what I've done in the past and I've got a great team. And yeah, it's a rocky start and but you identified a target. Like I got to get 10 million, you got, got more than that. So you, you figured out a way to get through that sort of tough period. And now you're coming out the other side and things are starting to look a little better. How, how accurate is that assessment? No, you're you're 100 percent on point. So it's it's interesting. It's almost like one door closes, another door opens, or you know the the times of adversity you know set you up for your greatest success. And I totally believe that. And I look back on my life, and and I've seen that. And you can read about it in some of the great you know leaders and entrepreneurs in history. And and that is the case. And that's been the case with us. I mean, I, and I think when we look back on this period of taking the risk to start start this company. And even proceeding into the into the teeth of this this market, and you know, proceeding with putting capital to work and great deals, proceeding to get new investors, proceeding to you know be 
adaptable to tweak and adjust our, our presentation and to go after different pockets of capital, like institutional capital, fund to funds, strategics, you know, big prime contractors versus, you know, high net worth and family office investors, you know, where we still focus there as well, but expanding the network and managing our time and our effort to try to make this, this whole thing work. You know, I think when we look back, we're going to be really proud that, that we did what we did. And then from the investing standpoint, I was looking at some data the other day in terms of, you know, all the funds that had been raised, you know, subsequent to the great financial crisis. If you look at 08 and 09, the number, the bar chart just goes up, it's up and to the right in a a material, like at a 45 degree angle. And then there's, and then there's this year, (laughs) so if we do what we did first half of this year, we'll probably be at, you know, 2008, 2000 levels of funding. And most of that funding goes to existing managers. Because if you're, let's say you're running an endowment or a pension fund, are you going to, are you going to pick Marlon Spike, you know, the new kids on the block, these kind of scrappy, you know, guys, or are you going to pick a Blackstone? It's pretty easy, right? It's, you're, you're going to go with a low risk option. So it becomes even more challenging. However, first time funds typically put up the best returns and in these market vintage years, like 08, 09, you look back and like, oh, of course, that was a great time to put money to work. So I think, you know, this year, next year, and who knows what's going to happen with uh, with the markets. And, you know, we're in challenging times, but that's the best time to invest. And, and mm-hmm. we're seeing that with our, you know, portfolio companies and our our opportunities. So as hard as it is to, to raise capital, um, the, the opportunities are are plentiful in, in our space right now. So I, I think looking back, we'll be, we'll be very glad we took this risk. Yeah. I think most listeners will resonate with the idea that as a leader, one has to look at a crisis space as being an opportunity because that's, like you said, where things can really grow out of it and, and grow at a greater rate than anticipated. So, you know, when you think about your perspective of, hey, where's the opportunity? Where can we go? Um, that sometimes leads to a, a sort of a fervor, if you will, a passion for doing something bigger and better, or just to execute on that vision. So from an energy perspective, sometimes those emotions and those ideas coalesce together where we have that strong passion, joy. We might even have gratitude because, hey, we're five years into the fund and it's kick, cooking with gas. But but when when you're not quite there yet, you know, how what's been like a high for you energetically as the leader of the company? Wow. Great question. There's, there's been a lot. And I think one of the, one of the biggest highs was just, was just recently a few weeks ago, it was really, it was really a great day. It was a culmination of of a lot of hard work from everybody on on the team. Uh, We we started off the morning uh, and I was with one of my, my newer partners that, that came on a gentleman named Chip Walter, who's a Naval Academy graduate class of 1983, you know, 28 years in the Navy, uh, retired captain, P3 pilot, uh, worked with General Petraeus uh, and then followed General Petraeus to the, to the CIA, uh, worked very closely um, with uh, this group called InQtel, which is a, uh, a strategic uh, investment arm for the, uh, the intelligence community, um, and then left to go to Northrop Grumman, where he was, um, you know, working on their venture program. And so we were lucky enough to bring Chip over. So when I look back, over you know last quarter, as difficult as it was, we're still attracting you know great people, and he's super passionate about what he does, adds a lot to the team. And 
we had a great day together where we started off the morning talking to one of the biggest defense publicly traded uh, defense primes in the world about a potential partnership. We had um, then met with a portfolio manager at a, at a pension fund, which went well. Then we had lunch with uh, two potential new clients, which you know a week later committed. And then we ended the day, uh, we had an opportunity to sit down and brief Senator Todd Young, um, who's from Indiana, also class of 95 uh, from the Naval Academy. And it was really incredible. He wanted to learn more about you know, Voyager Space, which is one of our portfolio companies. And we just wanted to be helpful. We said, look, you know, we know, and he's, I don't know if you saw the news about the CHIPS Act passing in the Senate mm-hmm. yesterday, which is terrific for our country. Hopefully it can get through the House and onto the president's desk. It's about $280 billion that's going to go towards, you know, bringing more chip manufacturing here in the U.S., but also a lot of capital for more, you know, science and technology innovation in the country. And so we met down with Senator, we met with Senator Young and gave him a briefing on uh, Voyager Space as well as the fund and what we're up to. And and he loved it. And we were there basically saying we didn't, there was no ask. Uh, we weren't looking for capital. We just said, look, you know, we're in the space every day. If there's things we can, we can do to be helpful to you and helpful to the country, you know, we'll do it. So that type of mission and that type of day, that is, that was a, one of the pure highlights of, of what we've, what we've done at Marlin Spike. And that kind of mix of investing, of meeting with clients and, and really trying to do the right thing for, you know, other stakeholders, either in the government or the Department of Defense or the intelligence community, you know, that is, that is the mission. And everybody on the team, you know, feels that mission and feels that energy. Yeah, that's a great uh, example. And you also talked earlier about, you know, the three legs of the stool. And so it sounds like that day for you, you covered all three and then some, you know, it was also like a service piece too. like, hey, Senator, like, here are, here's how we are contributing in the space uh, from technology and from a defense perspective and helping out the country. So not only did you do your three legs of the stool, but you also got to, to, you know, give some good back into the community. So that's a great, great story. We like to think so, but it was a, it was a great day. Yeah. No, I I love that day. That that's wonderful. We love those. (laughs) need it more often. Right. Uh, Good. Well, uh, Neil, sometimes people have, um, some influential role models that we have. And sometimes it's, you know, when we're starting out and we have a mentor at the young age, sometimes it's, you know, reading a book and learning some really great ideas on how to be a leader or manager of a company. Um, But other times it's just somebody we really admire and respect. We never have the opportunity to meet with them. So I'm going to ask you this question. We ask a lot of our guests is if you could meet and spend time with anybody deceased or living, who would that be and why? The, I, I, I love that question. And it's just, it's really hard to choose one. And the, the first couple that came to mind, you know, one was Elon Musk. I mean, but I'm sure you've had a million people say Elon, but I, I won't, I won't say Elon because I, I still hope that one day I do get to sit down and chat with him. Uh, the next one would be Steve Schwartzman, who the founder of Blackstone, terrific book, by the way, uh, which, which has really been the, 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 the playbook for me as I've been thinking about building out Marlon Spike, but I also hope to meet him at one point. Um, but one I've been really intrigued with uh, most recently is, is Admiral uh, Chester Nimitz, who mm-hmm. is you know, deceased. So 1905 Naval Academy graduate, uh, you know, commander of the Pacific Fleet during World War II. And the reason I'm, I'm attracted to, to him is that I've seen my role at Marlin Spike 
really become more of a more of a leadership role and team builder, strategic role, and and we really built out the investment team. So you know, as I started off, really wanted to focus more on the investments and being the chief investment officer. It's really I'm seeing that my time is needed, and I'm actually gravitating more towards the the overarching team building, leadership, strategy, and then spinning all these different plates to make, to make it happen. And, you know, what better person to talk to than someone that was, you know, running a very complex organization at war uh, when the stakes couldn't have been higher for our, our sailors and our country. So I, I'd like to sit down and, and really learn about, you know, what he was going through, how he thought about major decisions, how he handled stress, how he, how he prioritized his time and resources. I mean, these are, these are key elements to being a successful leader, especially under times of distress when the, the stakes are very high. Yeah. I, I think that's a really great insight to have somebody like him and this background for our listeners, you know, World War II is a very pivotal time in U.S. history, obviously, because of the threats to the country, and we have various threats throughout time. But what's interesting to me about your selection of Nimitz is the idea that, um, yeah, a lot of his focus was on Japan and World War II and that area and the threat to the Pacific. But, yeah, he was a Navy guy, but but he had to know all about the Army. He had to know all about the Marine Corps. He had to know all about the Army Air Corps at the time before the Air Force and how that all integrated and played together. So so it was a, a multifaceted piece. And so that's a lot, a lot of weight of, you know, running different things, as you said. And so that's, it's a huge, huge undertaking uh, and why he partnered so much with MacArthur under the army to, to help win the Pacific and um, the dealing with stress and dealing with all the challenges. That makes a lot of sense. So you, so, you sound like a history major, Michael. Uh, well, I, I spent some time in Hawaii and so I know a little bit about Nimitz and MacArthur, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, absolutely. History is, if we don't learn from the past, we're bound to repeat those same mistakes. Right. No, and I love your your Churchill behind you too. That's a great one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Good. Um, well, Neil, I have loved having you here on the show, and and I really loved your your thought process and how how you're shifting a little bit in your leadership and where you thought you might have needed to be, and now you're you're pivoting a little bit. And all businesses need to pivot, so that's great. For our listeners and, and viewers, how can people get a hold of Marlin Spike or you and and maybe from an investment side or from, you know, the um, the side of being an, a disruptor in the, in the technology space? Sure. Look, we're, we're open for business and uh, I'm always open to to meeting new people and to talking to great, you know, portfolio company CEOs. And I love talking to investors. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Neil P. Keegan, CEO of Marlin Spike. So just uh, check me out send me a message, uh, hit me up and I'll, I'll hit you back. Awesome. Very good. Well, Neil, thanks for being on the show today. I appreciate it very much. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. Go Navy. Go Navy. Thanks for listening to Energy of Business Moments with your host, Michael Sype. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates and we will see you on the next episode.